I started a conversation uh, with you uh, last week on good news. And I think that I'd like to end this year uh, on the idea that we live our lives on good news and not on bad news, and we adjust our lives and respond in our lives based on the good news of the gospel and all its implications, not on the bad news of the spirit of this world. Can you say amen to that? We kind of made an internal contract that we would cut ourselves off from or break up with the abusive relationship that we so often fall into with the spirit of this world, right? Uh, Today I want to talk to you about the second part of the good news conversation, and that is how to see the gold, how to see the gold. This whole conversation in December, the whole series, is devoted to the idea that we're waiting for a Savior, we need Jesus. And there are some things that only Jesus can do in your life that nothing else can do. And it's important for us to know what they are. In fact, there's a passage of Scripture that tells us the five things that Jesus and only Jesus brings into our lives and into the world, and that there isn't another resource, person, or strategy that would bring the same to you again. And so I wanted to take you to that passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 4. It says this, unrolling the scroll, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus is talking, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me uh, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind. Can we pause for a moment? Would you mind doing the cheesy thing of repeating a word for me after me? Would you repeat the word recovery? Recovery. That has a, a very strong implication. It implies there once was sight, it was lost, and now it must be recovered. And I'll just talk to you about that in a moment. To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendants and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, in that passage of scripture, there are five things that only a savior can do, only Jesus can do, only the spiritual solution can solve for you. And I wanted to just remind you of what they are. We could call them the five human conditions. And we all suffer from, I mean, we're all human, right? We love saying that, I'm only human. Well, when we say that, we're implying that we all have one of or all of or part of these five human conditions that Jesus talks about. And they can only be solved through spiritual redemption. So first of all, the Bible tells us that we all suffer under the spirit of poverty. Poverty is a human condition. It's one of those things that is not just in material poverty, emotional poverty, relational poverty, deficits, deficiencies, and debts are part of the human condition. But Jesus has come to resolve the tension of deficit in your life. He fills whatever is lacking. Can you say amen to that? Any lack. I know we have uh, kids in the service also. I, I think we do, right? Still here, so I won't get too heavy on all of these things. I think that's, uh, I mean, I'll get shouted at afterwards by the kids, not the parents, by the way. But these are part of the human condition. Every deficit is filled by Jesus, our Savior. That's why we wait on Him. Secondly, and I talked about this Sunday night, and if, if you, you want to catch up on this message, because I thought it was like one of my better ones uh, last Sunday night on prisons. 
I talked about how that we all are imprisoned in some kind of way. You might feel like your gender is a prison, your skin colour is a prison, your status is a prison, your education is a prison, your past is a prison. Jesus came to unlock the door and set you out of your prison into your purpose. And the human condition is a victim of its own prisons, prisons of its own making. But Jesus is the keeper of the keys that unlocks the prison doors. We need a savior. We need a savior. Thirdly, the recovery of the sight. Vision is part of the human condition. Vision. Do you know, it's not about physical sight. It's about being able to see how things would work out. The way you see yourself, the world, your God, and your future is a function of the human condition. When Jesus comes into our lives, we see it differently. Can you look down the road and see a future full of hope? Or do you only see dark clouds of trouble in your future. When you look at your relationship, do you say to yourself, I can't see how this is going to work out? Or do you rather say to yourself, I can see the hand of God is going to come into this circumstance or this situation? When you think about your city or your country, do you say, I can't see this getting any better? Or will you be able to say, because I have the Spirit of God in me and He has anointed me and blessed me, I see a role, a place, a future, a destiny and a purpose. I see the hand of God in all of this. Don't be a victim of the human condition. The human condition says it's going to go from bad to worse. The spiritual condition says God is able to recover whatever is lost, to restore whatever is ruined, to transform whatever has been destroyed. Can you say amen to that? It's a, it's a condition. You've, you've, got to, you've got to think about it. And you've got to allow uh, the Spirit of God to come and be at work. And then, uh, 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 is, are we on four or five? I'm not even sure now. I think we're on four. Do, do, are we on three? Okay. I, I, I have got the kids' church teaching spirit right now. I'm asking and expecting answers. I apologize. Oppression. The human condition is one of oppression. In other words, there's always somebody in charge and somebody subservient. It's the human condition. The human condition says I've got bosses and the human condition says somebody is over me and the human condition says I'm the least and, and I'm not first. But the Bible comes, Jesus the Savior comes to say that you should be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and of everybody else, brothers and sisters, and that you should work, walk in integrity, honoring one another as equals. The human condition gives us status, but Jesus Christ gives us freedom for equality. I don't need to be under the human condition, I need to be under the spiritual condition of a saved, born-again life. And then finally, the human conditions need for regeneration. I love how people say, you peak, you know, for various things. You academically peak at 25. You physically peak at 35. You mentally peak at 50. I love how people say, that's not biblical at all. And you might say, but there's research. Well, it's a very good research about the human condition. But if you were to page through the pages of the Bible, you would find some like 
Joshua who were young and did mighty exploits, and some like Moses who were older and did mighty exploits, and some like Noah, and some like Miriam, and some like Rahab, some who were from a classy background and some from an unmentionable background. But God regenerates, renews, and reawakens us. And I don't have to be the product of my human condition. I can be the product of my spiritual condition. My spiritual condition. I want to refer to this work of God, why we all need a Savior, as the second sight. You have your first sight, your physical one, and some of yours is good and some of it isn't. And I, you know, I've got one eye that's 10 out of 10, and then one eye that said, I'll rest, because the other eye is 10 out of 10. You know? But then there are some people who have spiritual sight that's poor. All over the Bible, Scripture's about spiritual sight. He that has an ear, let him hear. He that has eyes, let them see. Come to me, Revelation says, and buy ointment for your eyes. Uh, uh, Saul becomes a poor on the road to Damascus, but he's blinded by a bright light. And although he's saved, he's blind. And people can be saved and blind. And we need a saviour to sort out our sight. Mark chapter 8, verse 22, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man uh, by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's uh, eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus said, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people look like trees walking around. Once again, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open and his sight was restored and he saw everything, everything clearly. And Jesus said to him, uh, uh, sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Now, there's a whole message in that, that Jesus has to take you outside of village thinking. Let me just especially, hi online, hi Skulk Ferreira and your family in France, nice to see you, uh, always great to have online. I just want to especially uh, direct a comment to our PE people, Kebeha, the big GQ. Be careful of village thinking. It's a human condition in this town. We live in a city, but we're acting like a village. Be careful of a village thinking that says, can good things, can what come, can what happen? Be careful of that because I don't live, my spirit does not reside in village thinking. My spirit resides in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. I must think on another level so that I can be free from the human condition. Got to think another way. People say, well, once you've had that big fight in your marriage, it'll never be the same. That's village thinking. If you'll bring your fighting marriage into the hands of God, he will restore and regenerate whatever sight was lost and he'll build it back again. That's spirit thinking, not village thinking. You've got to snap out of it because it's going to destroy your future. Can you say amen? It's village thinking. Get past it. We have to all experience that second sight. I wonder when Jesus prayed for him, what the point was of having him only half healed in his first attempt. I wonder sometimes whether what benefit there was in that. And I, I think one could read it uh, with a bit of wisdom uh, and, and say the first sight helped him see people a certain way. The second sight helped him see everything a certain way. Maybe the first sight is human sight, the way 
people see and the second sight is spiritual sight, the way God wants us to see. But what we all need, what this world needs, what every human being needs, what you need, your kids need, your friends and family need is a savior who can set you free from village thinking and seeing to spiritual thinking and seeing. We need our blind eyes opened. Amen. I've especially learned recently how to navigate that in my own life. You've got to be careful how you see things. I had this great conversation before the service. I, this may be more serious than it needs to be. Let me think about it. Yeah, I'll say it. I had this great conversation before the service about, you know, a friend saying to a friend, I, I want to come to Father's house, but that, that George is still single. You know, I'm not sure about that. And, 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 she, and, and she said to them, just, 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 Give me a scripture. Give me a scripture that proves that. Do you know what I find funny? Is that there's a verse in the Bible that says some people keep themselves single for the purpose of God. There's a verse in the Bible that says that. What I find very funny is that there's also a verse in the Bible that says you should, once you're married, you should not get divorced. And yet divorced pastors are asking me what's wrong with me. <laughs> find a verse. So I've just decided, I'm, I just can't get my, I'm not going to see my world through the eyes of the village. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to see my world through the eyes of the Spirit. Because the, the village sees impossibility, the Spirit sees possibility. The village sees broken, the Spirit sees called. You have to be very, let me tell you, this thing is a real thing. The village thinking, village seeing, village speaking, village doing. And you know what else about the spirit of the village? Everybody's got to be the same in the village. And when God wants to raise you up, watch out. You'll have to get taken by Jesus a little out of the village and there get some vision. <laughs> get some vision. How then should the spirit impact our lives? Why are we waiting for a Savior? Why is a Savior so vital? Why do we rejoice? Why is it good news? Why do we say hark? And, and can I just tell you, I snuck, is that a word? Yes, I think it's a word that's been proven by the late night talk show. Um, you all know which one I'm talking about. Uh, I snuck into the rehearsal for tonight. It's extraordinary. I think it's the best thing we've done for carols ever. Tonight, yes. And I know that the invitation says formal, so a lot of you have been messaging me, what does formal mean? We're on the coast. Formal means not short. <laughs> on the coast, surely. Just, just don't let that bother you. Don't have to go buy something. Just come anyway, but maybe just if possible, maybe. I don't know. But I want to invite you to come. Uh, why do we declare Glad tidings, good news for the world. Because our Saviour has come to do some, do some things. Last week I talked about opening prison doors. Today I want to tell you that every person has a kind of blindness and every person needs to be, have their sight restored. And by the way, you know how physically sometimes the older you get your sight sometimes? Sometimes. Because I've seen some of your phones and your font size <laughs> is dramatic. Like your... Your font size can be read by passing planes. I, I mean, at some point, you just have to own the idea that it's better to wear glasses than, uh, you know, I didn't even know it could get to that size, like a whole word on the screen. You'd be scrolling word after word after word. It can deteriorate. It's the human condition. Spiritually, if you don't stay close to Jesus, your light, your, the brightness of your vision dims. 
and God has to restore it and renew it and make it fresh. So how, how does he uh, restore uh, sight? First of all, uh, he, by saving your past. By saving your past, the way you see your past. Do you know, there's nothing I can do about my past, but I can see it differently. Somebody can do something to me or I can do something to somebody and I can have regret or I can have bitterness. I can keep thinking about it and see it as an attack. Or I can... I'm losing my peace right now. If security can catch that elf... I can look at my circumstance and past and experience it as a regret or a source of bitterness, or I could say that thing that happened to me, God used it to provoke me, to mature me, to discover Him in it. Thank you, Lord, for everything I've been through in that it has led me to you. It has led me to you. If you don't do that, you'll look at it another way and you'll have regrets. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 17, aware of their discussions, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand if your heart's hardened? Do you have eyes that but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves, Vince did a great message on this, uh, for the 5,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? Sometimes we look at the past in the human condition with regrets, but the Spirit helps us look at the past with revelation. Amen? Secondly, He saves your perspective. My perspective needs saving. Recently, a lot of people have had questions about the future of South Africa. Who's going to be our president? We'll know in a couple of years about our economy, about our city, about the potholes and the potheads. <laughs> but still at least Elf is in church. <laughs> Running but not hiding. I read a letter from a kid to Santa this week. The letter said, Dear Santa, last year's present wasn't very good. <laughs> and to be honest, the year before wasn't good either. This is your last chance. <laughs> I hope none of you have had uh, letters like that. Uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, Given to be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He then also told them this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Uh, this uh, passage of scripture makes, given it will be given to you, uh, uh, connected to, are you blind? Can you not see? Uh, the blind leading the blind. I, I wanted to say about our country and our city and our circumstance. If you're asking from a human condition, things aren't looking good. 
But if you're asking from a spiritual condition, the vacuum the human condition has created makes it very good for an awakening of the Spirit of God in our country and in our nation. The need needs to be met by the Spirit. And that day will come. You know, a lot of people tell me, oh, let's pray for revival. Let's pray for sinners to repent. Do you know where revival starts? Not when sinners repent, when saints arise. Amen. I know some of you think, give me a verse for that. Give me a verse. I want a scripture. The harvest is plentiful, John chapter four. The laborers are few. He couldn't send us more right now because we wouldn't know how to handle it. But when the saints arise, the sinners repent. I mean, that's a heavy word, but it sounds pretty. The sinners repent and then awakening comes and awakening comes when there is a need in the human condition. Let this nation demonstrate its need and let the church rise up and demonstrate its provision for that need. Go to rise up. And finally, I'm coming to an end because I know, I know there's food waiting. Saving your possibilities. Saving your possibilities. You know, it's easy in the human condition to say, I don't know if that's possible. Is that possible? Is it po Do you think I, it'll be possible for me to ever own a house? Do you think it'll be possible for me? Um, hi, Elf. Nikki, can I have my piece back, please? like my piece back because it was nearly stolen. Don't, don't run away. Would you jump onto the stage with me, please? I'll take this moment to also say the closing moments of the service that we've had the most extraordinary joy of having Emily head up our kids' church. And she's moving to Cape Town in the new year. And she'll be serving in our Cape Town church and also working at a school but Nikki will be stepping onto staff to head up the role of Kids Church Director here at Palaces. Nikki, as you guys have already heard, is a new mom. Nikki is married to Andrew. Andrew, would you like to stand up for a moment just so people can see? And... I'm, I'm probably going to get into trouble for this, but, but Nikki is Ryan LaRue's smarter sister. <laughs> and so we're uh, thrilled to have a transition done so well, so healthily, so encouragingly. There's a month to share together. And I just wanted to pastorally welcome you and release you and thank you. And I'm going to invite uh, Mike and Vince, the uh, site pastors here, to come up onto the stage and take a moment to pray for the both of you. Uh, we recognize the gift in you and, and, and want to appoint it publicly. And we recognize the gift you've been and want to acknowledge it publicly. I'm a little bitter with Israel in Cape Town, uh, who will get such a great gift. I phoned him and asked him if he would trade a few of his people to come here. And he said, no, uh, but it's okay. The Lord will heal my heart. But I want to say, what a year and a bit, a year and a half you've had here, rebuilding Kids Church post-pandemic, and have been an absolute authority and champion. And, and then at just the right time, God set you up for a new season. 
and it was quite remarkable. And uh, Ryan and I had an exchange of conversation, and he asked me to never tell Nikki what happened. And I've decided to do it now, <laughs> publicly, to embarrass the poor guy. I will get beaten for this. I said to Ryan, I said, Ryan, Vince and Mike have got a wish list of replacements for Emily. Nikki is on the top of that list. And he said to me, oh, George, I don't know. <laughs> Brother and sister working together, and she's got a little school going, and she's teaching Ryan's kids, of course. <laughs> and a few days went by, and you guys had supper, I think, or a conversation. And he heard there how you felt like a change of season, becoming a mom and all that. And he phoned me and he said, I'd like to take back what I said. And I'd like to take the handbrake away. And if you guys feel it's the right person, I'm supporting that decision. And, um, so would it be okay for us to be charismatic and just reach out a hand towards, towards the both of them and... I'm going to re release uh, Emily, and I'm going to invite Michael to, to welcome uh, Nikki. Lord, thank you for gifts. Thank you, Lord, for people with such passion and a love for you, for their family, for children, and for this house. Thank you, Lord, for the great and extraordinary investment of all of herself and her gifts and her, and her wisdom and her energy, Emily has sown into this house and done so with a spirit of joy and authority and patience and willingness. And Lord, as you set her into a new season with such a great opportunity, and as you release her into Cape Town to sow into that space also, would you please refresh her? and fill her with joy and with confidence and renewal and a fresh season with fresh authority and a fresh anointing. And we pray, Lord, all that she has sown here would be released back to her many times over in reward and in refreshing. We acknowledge the gift she is and thank you for the privilege of partnering with her here and pray, Lord, that you will cause for her to go from strength to strength, from glory to glory in Jesus' name. Our Lord, we are so grateful for Nikki. Thank you that you have opened a door at just the right time for her to step into. Thank you for the gift that she carries, the joy for children, but the joy for Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you've brought her in to build on a foundation that has been laid before her, but ultimately that that foundation is the rock of ages, Jesus Christ. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to lead her, guide her as she guides our children, as she brings the name of the Lord upon the next generation to raise up a generation that will say, in this house, we serve the Lord. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, you guys. You may take your seats. I have one more scripture to read to you and then our service comes to an end. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, it says, for if, the, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, it's a new King James, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble for an entrance, a door will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't want to be blind to an open door. 
I don't want to be blind to a great opportunity. I don't want to be blind to possibility. I don't want to live under the spirit of village thinking. I want to have my second sight. And I need Jesus to come into my world and lay hands on my sight. My ability to see things clearly. Today, let's change our focus. Move it away from the human condition to the spiritual condition. And if you're here today or listening online or listening to this later than live on podcast or Facebook or YouTube, maybe you need Jesus. Maybe you can't see your way through your life right now. You can't see how this is or that is going to work out. Maybe you can't see the good in anything. You need Jesus. And it won't change your past or even change your circumstance immediately, but it'll change how you see it. And that's the first start. I read an interesting, I promise you'll end now. I read an interesting um, story about a syndrome or a a theory called the Diderot effect. That's quite a pointless name, but it, it simply means this, that when you buy something for your house or your wardrobe that doesn't fit with the rest of it, you are tempted to replace everything else in your house or in your wardrobe to match the new thing. So you get a spending spree, right? Because now you get a top, but the top is so cool, it doesn't fit with anything else in your cupboard. So you've got to get other things to match the top. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to bring Jesus into your house and put him in there. And things that don't fit with Jesus, you've got to take it out and you've got to replace it with things that fit. That's what this verse says. If you add to your faith, you put Jesus there, you say that language doesn't work with Jesus. It's a clash, it's a clash of styles. That language got to go. I need new language. Uh, those, some of those friends, I think they must just be, you know, they must just be in, in a deeper friend zone because I need some people in my life that are that fit with the look and the feel and the culture of what I'm doing here with Jesus. And it won't be long that everything in your cupboard, everything in your room, everything in your house changes to fit the number one item in it, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Would you please stand with me as we pray? I hope you'll stick around after the service. There's such cool stuff planned. And then I hope you'll come back tonight for an hour. Oh, by the way, we'll go outside after the service and light the Christmas lights on the tree and the arbor. Stay for photos and sing Silent Night together. Please bring a phone that has, I mean, they all do torches, right? We're going to need that. So Lord, thank you so much for coming into our world to save us from the human condition. Thank you for defining what that condition is and defining what we need to be set free from it. Today, would you please heal our sight? Would you give us our second sight? Would you you help us see as you want us to see a people with vision, a people who are not groping around in the dark, not people who are blind leading the blind, not people who are the victims of village thinking. We thank you for spiritual sight in Jesus' name. I want to put one thing up on the screen as we close. It's a prayer. If you're here and you haven't crossed the line of making Jesus the number one thing in your room, in your life, in your world, you should pray this prayer. If you're watching online and you've, you've thought about it, you've hung around Christianity so long that you're starting to look Christian, but you haven't actually said it, I want to encourage you to pray it. And if you pray this prayer, 
You're welcome to come to any of our services, anywhere we have a church. And so I prayed that prayer. And I don't have a Bible, would you give me one? And we'd gladly give you a free Bible. And we'll encourage you to sign up for an Alpha course, a free 10-week course that'll help you get your foundations in place. That prayer will appear at the end of our services so that it's available for you. Would you give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving?